Welcome to the Power Kid Podcast, the premier and longest running podcast focused on the modern toy and entertainment industry. Power Kid is an award-winning design and development firm, and we are a proud member of the Adventure Media and Events Podcast Network family. Adventure Media is the publisher of your favorite industry publications, including the Toy Book, the Toy Insider, and the Pop Insider. I am your host, Phil Albritton, and I bring you great conversations with talented people making amazing products for kids. Toys, books, games, TV, movies, I bring them to you here every episode. Welcome aboard. Hello, 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 Power Kids, and welcome to another Power Kid podcast. Guys, every week, it is my honor, privilege, and joy to come on here and to bring you great conversations with great people from all over the world making toys and games for kids. This is going to be a great show, and it is an honor to have Adam Borton on the line with me today. Let me introduce you to Adam. He is the founder of the Toy and Game School, which is an online platform that teaches students the core fundamentals of the toy and game industry. He's also the founder of Creating Unique Toys, a toy and game invention company, creating smash hit toys and games for the biggest companies in the world. In his decade with the industry, he's invented games like Entertainment Toys Silly Seal, You Lose Oops Scoops, and Mattel's Flushin' Frenzy. He's been recognized as a top 100 influencer in the toy and game industry and Hasbro's Emerging Inventor of the Year in 2017. Adam, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Hey, Phil. How's it going? It's going great, Adam. This is going to be a really fun conversation. Um, I just I really enjoy your activity on LinkedIn, your posts, um, how you think about the toy and game industry and invention in particular. And so we're going to dive into all of that and really excited to do so. Uh, but we'll start where we start. How did you come to be involved in the toy industry? Well, yeah, it's, it's quite a long time ago now. Um it was 11 years ago that I started um, in two, back in 2010. Um, I'd originally done a preschool toy for my final year university project. It was called the Roll Around Playground. I spent a long time on that name. And um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I, was, I was given a task of doing a final year project. They said, you can come up with anything you want. Um, I tried to come up with a bicycle lock. And they said, that's not enough of a project. You could do that in a week. So I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to do a kid's toy with all the bells and whistles that you could possibly have on it. Um, and after a while, I realized I was in over my head and I'd, I'd put too much stuff into this toy. But um, yeah, it was a great learning experience. So that, so that was kind of the first experience I had of the industry and, and you know, things like safety standards and um, designing for kids, because I think it's a very different challenge when you're designing something for kids versus adults. And, and when you're designing adult products, it's, you're sort of designing for yourself in a way, but when you're designing for kids, it's a completely different mindset and challenge and so that was my first experience of it. And then after I finished university, I I went to a Lon to the London Toy Fair. And the London Toy Fair is is similar to lots of other global toy fairs in that, you know, manufacturers go there and they, they get a booth um and they they take their staff and they they take their new products and they show them off. So I went there, put on my suit and tie, took my portfolio portfolio, and I walked around every single stand. 
and booth and and just pitch myself basically and and from that i got a couple of job offers and that that's how i started in the industry that's fantastic now at university you were studying just general product development or engineering it wasn't a a toy program per se no yeah yeah it was was product design so product design um they gave you the the option to do uh, BSc or BA in your final year. Um, I chose to do the BA side, but but lots of people did the BSc, the science, more science side of it. Um, but but yeah, we we, we had a, a it was at Bournemouth University, and we had a fantastic prototyping department there. And and this was back in um, you know two thousand two thousand seven two thousand eight when you know 3D printers were still quite in their in- infancy. In terms of commercially, they were they were still they weren't really out there yet, and um, we were lucky enough to have a three D printer there, you know, and it's expensive and slow and really low resolution uh, or high resolution where you could see the big steps between layers, but it was really good to get that experience so early on with three D printers and and prototyping and making things by hand. Yeah, we have that in common in that I think where we studied was not specifically geared to be a toy design program, but we had to choose what projects to do and what interested us. I, I wrote marketing papers about Todd McFarlane's action figures. I oh, shot cool. I shot Batman animated series uh, toy commercials for projects in school. Um, you know, I, I would do uh, action figure packaging whenever I was given the opportunity. And so constantly choosing that. I, I'm curious from your perspective, yeah. what, what steered you in that direction? What made you choose to do the roll around playground as your project? What was the interest? there well, well it's funny isn't it I, I think um some people in the industry get involved in it sort of by accident and then other people sort of like they like you said they they sort of lean towards playful products and playful toyetic type um things even though yes. you say like yeah like product design or i think you said you did did you do say you did film yeah yeah Maybe. film film and packaging um marketing absolutely yeah, so so I think you know some people just fall into it, and some people, you know, sort of lean into it. And We're just crazy enough to want to go there. I, yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, it's funny. To, yeah, I mean, it's it's never it's never been hard for me to come up with uh, like playful, crazy ideas. Mm-hmm. I, and I think some part of me, yeah, that's just just natural. Um, but other parts it's, you, you do have to to think about it and consider it and think, is this something I want to get into? And the, the roll around playground was something that I just thought it's one, I like a challenge and, and I think designing for kids is a challenge. I think maybe people see it as being quite easy. Um, but I think design for kids where they, they enjoy something and it's safe and, and they get a lot out of it is quite hard and I do enjoy challenge. So that was part of it. And the other part is, yeah, I like to I like to create fun stuff. That's it. And, and so, continuing to be driven towards the toy industry, uh, you move to the United States, and and I want to talk about that. Uh, why was it important for you to move to the U.S.? What did you see here that you wanted to be a part of? Why was it important for you to move? Uh, well. I did watch a lot of Friends when I was younger, so that was the main reason. <laughs> no. Barbie and Ken were the Ross and Rachel of, uh, of the <laughs> Yeah, world. exactly. I there you it. go. I get it. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of the commercial toy industry today is sort of resulted from 
the US and the US sort of grew it commercially um, from the start. And some of my biggest influences are some of the early toy inventors like uh, Marvin Glass. Yes. Who's one of the first, um, Eddie Goldfarb. And, you know, they, they started um, in Chicago and and that's kind of sort of like a toy hub. And there's, you know, lots of toy invention companies there today, such as Big Monster Toys. And um, yeah, the US, the US has got lots of headquarters of big toy companies. Uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's just something about the US as, you know, land of opportunity and things like that. Not that the UK doesn't give you opportunities because it, I think it does. Um, and, you know, there's quite a few big UK toy, com- toy invention companies um, out in the UK. But um, I've always liked to challenge and moving my entire life to another country is <laughs> a pretty big <laughs> challenge. So yeah, I, 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 I'm enjoying it as well. It's like, it's great. It's I'm in California now and um, you know, it's sunshine every day. And I always try and check in with my uh, family back in the UK just to check what the weather's like. That's it. You get to see the sunshine now. That's that's fantastic for you. It's okay. I send them pictures and stuff. So, you know, they keep up to date with it. (laughs) I love it. So you're creating, and this is really what we want to get into because this this is so fascinating to me. You are creating the toy and game school. Um, yeah, you think there's a white space here. There's there's not enough information about the inner workings of toy companies, how to invent. And so you have uh, taken on this project in addition to creating unique toys, your, your company mm-hmm. of, of, you know, your invention company. Yeah. Um, now it's uh, you're an educator. You're going to to educate people on uh, the ins and outs of the toy industry. Why was that important? What's the impetus for this. Um, why do you want yeah. to do this? So when I first started out, um, I, I, when I was doing the roll around playground at university and, and then a little bit later when I started in the, in the toy industry proper, it's, it's, um, it was frustrating to not be able to find that information, much information about creating toys and games well, um, which I'm sure you found as well, right? Indeed, indeed, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there, there's not that. There's not that much. There's not much that much well, stuff. Well, like we said, we we sort of had to pull ourselves up to some degree by our bootstraps in the early yeah. days, especially. But but even still, look, I am all about information, as much information as I can gather. I want to about topics that I love, right? And so, in recent months, there has been um, somewhat of an explosion of just information. I mean, podcasts, right? You can, I love podcasts. You can learn anything you want to on podcasts and YouTube and internet sites. We have accessible to us any of this information, but there still seem to be uh, a bit of a void when it, when it comes to really in-depth toy industry discussion. And it's something that I recognized and wanted to address years ago with the podcast. And, and again, we're on the same page. It sounds like you want to uh, tackle that problem as well. Yeah, it's it's um, problem and solution. And when you're an, an inventor, you're looking for looking to create solutions to problems, like you did with the podcast. I, I saw that there really wasn't that much information available to to for people to access on the internet about creating toys to a high level. Um, and when I say high level, I mean it's more about how you think 
and how you plan and strategize as well as as the actual creating the final toy or game that, that makes it a good toy or game and creating good toys and games um has is a lot of disciplines all rolled into one and i think um there isn't really anything else out there like what i'm trying to create which is you know taking people from the industry starting with the industry and then taking them through what makes a good idea versus what makes a bad idea and then going from sketching to modeling to 3d modeling to prototyping these are all things that a solo inventor like myself has to to do on a you know, daily basis that stages of that process get done. And I think people who are coming into the industry kind of get a bit lost about what they need to do next. And that's what this is supposed to do. It's supposed to give them a step-by-step guide in order of how to create a toy or game. And I think it's quite difficult because when you're creating a toy or game, there's lot, lots of different categories. There's, you know, there's plush toys, there's action figures, there's vehicles, there's games, there's, there's all sorts of things. And they can each require different skill sets and addressing different areas at different times. And what I've tried to do with this is try to give you a step-by-step guide that will give you a template for creating any toy or game in an order that makes sense and that will get you from A to B as quickly and efficiently as possible. That's great. You're right. Uh, You think about the disciplines that an inventor in the toy industry has to have under their belt. Often it's trend research, it's art, it's marketing. They have to know how to sell. Uh, There's engineering aspect, there's product strategy, it's understanding the manufacturing. It's all of that. And it can be overwhelming for folks just coming in fresh uh, and and thinking, you know, somehow, (laughs) somehow in, in in the conversation, we've let that be boiled down to, oh, well, I just had a good idea. And this company took it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's infinitely more complicated. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think I think I mean when I, when I got into invention, I, I'd done a lot of concept work at, at toy companies before that. And when I got into invention, I I think I underestimated the value of the execution and creating a working prototype. And when you're at a, a bigger company, you know, you if you don't have it the prototyping facility in-house you'll send it out to either an outsourced uh, product development company or you'll send it to the factory in china and they'll create a prototype based on you know how easy it will be it'll be to manufacture but um when i got into the invention back in uh, 2014 I i didn't realize how important the the execution is to an inventor and and especially to a toy company as well because an inventor will show an idea and it could be the best idea in the world but if you haven't been able to prove it um a toy company isn't likely to listen much much further to be honest um it sounds it sounds kind of harsh but the reality is that they get shown thousands and thousands of ideas every year for even the professionals, not just um, people you know, new to the industry, the, these are professionals showing them thousands of I- I- items a year, and you know only a few get licensed every year. So 
you really do need to be able to make something work in order to capture their attention. And and the ones that got thrown away, there were reasons to say no. And that is a big part of our job is to eliminate the reasons to say no. And having a functional engineered prototype is a huge component of, of that. And I think it's one thing that you do particularly well in your school is talking about the engineering side of product design. And I think this is a real white space that, that you um, that you help to fill. Um, I'm, I'm curious, how do you advise your students to tackle the learning curves on something like a SolidWorks or a ZBrush or a Freeform or whatever program they want to use to create their product, to engineer their product, to 3D print it and get it to a functional state. Um, how do you tackle that in your curriculum? Yeah. So what I think most people need to know before they start in 3D design is that there's kind of two types of uh, 3D design program and three, two types of 3D design types. There's the organic sculptural side of it, uh, which you'll probably use a program, like you said, Freeform or, or I use ZBrush, which yes. is quite a common mm-hmm. one. And there's also the mechanical side of, of design, 3D design, which is something like Fusion 360 or SolidWorks. They're both used in the industry. And a lot of people will, will be able to create one or the other but usually it's quite difficult to combine both of them because, um, I mean, the, the programs sometimes don't play nicely together either. <laughs> but, um, Indeed. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, so, so, you know, sometimes you'll get, um, artists that can sculpt really well in, in, uh, a physical medium such as clay and they can come into ZBrush and pick it up quite easily. And then you'll get other people that can do um, manual working prototypes that can go into something like Fusion 360 or SolidWorks, and they'll be able to pick that up quite easily. And that's what I'm trying to do with the school is is trying to create an easy workflow from going between the mechanical side of things where you, you get things to work in Fusion 360 and then going into the sculptural side where you make things look nice in ZBrush. And sometimes in the product development process and, and making toys and games, you sort of go in and out of both of them. And I've come up with a, a quite, I'm quite pleased with the, the solution I've got between going between both ZBrush and Fusion 360 and making it as painless as possible and doing step by step so that you don't have to learn every single command in each of those programs. It's very specific to toys and games. You know, what do you need to know? And how quickly can you get your idea into a into a three D model ready to ready for prototyping and three D printing? No, that, that's fantastic. I think that will be a very very valuable uh, for your students. Outside of creating uh, a prototype and pitching it, I'm curious what other aspects uh, will your curriculum cover? Are you going to dive into licensing, manufacturing, uh, distribution? Uh, what, uh, how, how all encompassing is the, is the curriculum? Yeah, I think that's a good question because, um, when you're creating toys and games, it's not just creating the actual product. You've also got to consider, like you spoke about before, you've got to consider the, industry aspects of of creating toys and games such as you know things like shelf space and box art and box size and um 
you know, if you've created a toy or game, where do you even go to pitch it? And so the the first module that I'm going to do is to do with the, the toy and game industry itself. So it's going to cover the categories, which companies operate, careers you can get, events, news, design, sales, manufacturing, distribution, retail, marketing, intellectual property, licensing, and then we'll end on uh, money because everyone wants to know how much they can make in the industry. No, that, that sounds really, really good. I'm curious, you know, a, a lot of where this curriculum comes from, I, I think is your experience in inventing. And I think particularly you've said that w- working with Mattel on Flush and Frenzy really opened the door for you to create um, this curriculum and this step-by-step process that you followed is what has become this curriculum. So I'd love for you to take us through the story of that product in particular. Uh, it was, you know, it's on trend and it worked really, really well. It's, it's a hilarious game. Um, I am not a big fan of the poop trend, but it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a love it or hate it product. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. But that's, I think, yeah, it, it's not, um, it's not boring. At least you can say that, right? (laughs) It's absolutely not boring. So I'll let you do the dirty work of describing (laughs) the product (laughs) to the listeners. And and yeah, take us through that process and and what you learned along the way that that really became this curriculum. I think when you're you're working with toy companies, um, it it does depend on the size of the toy company um, to what what you do and what you get involved with. Um, and, and, you know, a smaller or medium sized toy company will probably try and involve you more. Um, a a company like Mattel, uh, you know, they've got everything in house so that they can basically do it all themselves. You know, I came, I came up with the idea. I I wasn't in the bathroom when I came up with the idea just to (laughs) put that to bed. (laughs) And, uh, I, uh, yeah, so I, I came up with actually three sketches around the sort of the poop toilet theme. And then, and there was the third sketch that, you know, sort of brought it all together in, in terms of the theme, but also the story of, of how it, how it works and, and how the gameplay goes and everything like that. And so it all sort of came together on that third sketch. And so I actually had a, I had a list of, other projects that I was going to work on leading up to a toy fair. I had, I think five or six other projects. And when I came up with that idea, I, I did, I just dropped everything in, in f- for this, for this idea. And, uh, yeah, I, I spent the next, I think it took like a month to, to work on it just solid. Um, and so, you know, I had, I had the challenge of 3d printing, um, flexible material for, a uh, for the plunger so the, the plunger is is you know a soft flexible material and, and i did start off making um uh, a 3d printed mold and i poured in um red silicon because i thought that would that would work quite well but it turned out when when i tested it which again testing is an important part of making prototypes that that it just wasn't um solid enough it, it would just collapse the, the the handle of the plunger just collapsed so then i 3d i found some uh it's called tpu which is a 3d printing filament and it's uh it's flexible but it's not as soft and pliable as as silicon is so i i printed in that and it and it just gave just the right properties for um 
the plunger. So I did that and then and then you know working out the mechanism was was pretty difficult. And I was I was 3D printing in things like nylon, um, which is a really, really tough material to, to 3D print in because whilst it's really good for mechanisms, it's very, very difficult to get the 3D printer hot enough to, to print nylon because it warps really easily. So I wouldn't necessarily advise to print in nylon all the time, but I printed in nylon and I worked out the mechanism and put it all together. And then, uh, yeah, I went off to the toy fairs and pitched it. And uh, to be honest, it, it, it is one of the ideas that I've had the most interest in. And I've had, uh, you know, I had a lot of companies wanting it, but then when Mattel came a calling, it's kind of like, okay, I'll send it to Mattel, uh, because you know, it's, it's, uh, it's the chance to to license it to a big worldwide company. But not to say that you know the the other companies don't offer positive and benefit to a worldwide toy company because there are positives and negatives to everything. Which is another part of the curriculum. It should be uh, how to choose your partners, choose your partners wisely, who to pitch to, yeah. how to make your list, uh, and then and then go through your list from who do you think would be the best fit for this product, and uh, you make that list and you go through the list and you pitch each of those people and you figure out who the best partner is on any given invention. Yeah, I think um, like I said previously you know with with a company like Mattel that they they've got the ability to create everything in house and um sometimes it's a good thing with a big toy company sometimes you know if you wanted to have more influence over what it ends up being a smaller or medium sized toy company might be a better bet but i mean for me they they really did knock it out of the park um and you know they created something that um you know hits everything to be honest they, they really did create a fantastic end product so um i i was obviously ecstatic with the, the, the job they did on it and, and the exposure that it, that it got and they they managed to give to it but yeah it, it's it it depends you know sometimes like i've spoken to some inventors and sometimes they get a great result out of working with a company and sometimes they don't. And sometimes, you know, it's creative decisions once you've handed that over and licensed it to a, a toy company that that can change it for the good or f- can change it for the bad. Um, and sometimes you don't know what's, how it's going to end up like. And, and I was very fortunate that Mattel did a fantastic job on it. That's right. That's right. And, and that's just a, a glimpse of the kind of conversations, the kind of knowledge uh, that we have to have to to pitch and to invent and to create things that are ready for retail shelves. And so I'm just extremely happy and excited about the school that you're creating. And uh, curious, Adam, as, as we wrap up here, what are your goals for the Toy and Game School? Uh, what does your program look like in five years? Who do you hope to reach out to and who do you hope reaches back? Well, um, I think there are two types of inventor and, um, I'm trying to, I'm, because I'm an inventor, I think maybe people think that, that this course is just for inventors. Um, and I don't think it is just for inventors. I think it's for anyone in the toy or game industry or anyone looking to get into the toy or game industry, because I've, at the moment I'm an inventor as well as teaching the toy and game school. But previously I've done freelance work for, you know, companies like Hasbro and I've also worked in house. Um, at, at companies such as uh, Mookie Toys in the UK and Little Tykes in the US, and with all that experience, I've I've seen every 
part of the industry from you know marketing and retail and sales through to factories i've visited lots of factories in china but i've also done the, the front end concept side of it and i've also done the pitching side of it so i've done basically the 360 of the industry so whilst it is very useful for inventors i think um anyone in the industry or looking to get into the industry is going to find it of value and what's next in terms of the toy and game school is uh, a million things i've got so many ideas and often you've just got to concentrate on what's most important and so that's what i'm trying to do at the moment um it's taken a bit longer than i wanted to launch but um i want to make sure it's right when it launches so keep an eye on my social media channels at toy and game school for updates um but I, th- I think what I'm trying to do with the school is um, appeal to people that are either, I think there are two types of person when it comes to toys and games. There's the person that's overconfident and the person that's underconfident. <laughs> that's and a good way to put it. For um, the overconfident ones, um, the idea is that I'm explaining the realities of the toy and game industry. So you, you might be confident in your idea, but there are lots of things that you might not have thought of that will that are you know stopping you from getting where you want to go and um, for the people that are underconfident i'm going to show you the possibilities of what you can achieve and what you can create if you have a bit of confidence um so it's trying to find that balance of between overconfident and underconfident um you know listening to feedback but you don't necessarily have to apply that feedback um i think a lot of people are willing to give their opinion Um, but you know, you don't have to listen to it all the time. You don't have to apply what you've listened to, but I think it's always important to, to listen to feedback. And, um, yeah, I, I I think, uh, it's, it's going to provide something that people haven't seen before in toys and games. And I'm trying to use all my experience to really just give people a, a better chance of getting their products out there. It's wonderful. Whether you're overconfident or underconfident, that pretty much, I think that's everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fine yeah. balance, right? I think humans can be, they can really believe in themselves, but but not listen. And and I think it's, that's dangerous. But then I think it's also dangerous to be underconfident because people need to believe in you and believe in what you're, you're showing them. So you do need to find that, that balance. And then, yeah. Great. Well, how can these overconfident and underconfident people, and sometimes we find ourselves in both of those places multiple times a day, uh, how can folks <laughs> reach out to you, Adam, and, and find out more about the Toy and Game School and get involved? Yeah. So if you want to go on to any of my social media channels at Toy and Game School, things like Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and I'm planning on doing lots more YouTube videos in the coming months. Um, but you can also go to toyandgameschool.com. That's the main website where you can sign up. And uh, yeah, hopefully lots more to come. I'm a big fan of what you're doing. Thank you for building it uh, for the industry, for folks that want to learn more about the industry. I think it's just really, really great, Adam. This has been a ton of fun. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Phil. I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to the Power Kid Podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe so that you never miss an episode and leave a good review on iTunes. This helps us find more great listeners just like you. 
Remember also to check out the other shows that are a part of the Adventure Media and Events Podcast Network family. This show is brought to you by the PowerKid Design and Development Team. We are a full-service design and development studio serving the toy and game industry for over 20 years. Our partners, large and small, rely on us for invention, concept development, packaging, branding, prototyping, and much more. You can find me on my LinkedIn page, check out the website at PowerKidDesign.com, or email me directly, phil at PowerKidDesign.com. I am always happy to connect and help you develop your next great product. It's been an honor to spend this time with you today. Now go out and make something great. And remember, you are creative because you were created. God bless, and I'll see you next episode.